Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. We are the American ambassadors of the beautiful game, preaching the good news of European football through the lower 48, Alaska, and Hawaii. One of our favorite parts of European football as wannabe finance bros is the transfer market. It's what makes soccer so much better than any other American sport because trades don't work player for player, including draft picks. No, it's all unilateral. You pay money to acquire a player, and you get money to sell a player. It's as simple as that. There's two windows. The biggest one is the summer, which is just concluded. So suffice to say, we are excited to run down some of our favorite transfers. Probably England-centric a little bit, but then we're going to fan out to the other big five leagues, noting at least our favorite business out of each of those, as well as just some random highlights that we liked, you know, the transfers that were the spice of life. Just ones that came across our desk as they usually do throughout a week at Faking Injuries, came and incorporated. How does that sound, Charlie? Did I miss anything? Are you looking forward to this as much as I am? I am, no. I'm looking forward to it a lot. I think we're going to try and keep it to the transfers that not everyone's talking about everywhere on the news and the main channels. We're going to go a little more niche, some of the unique transfers, and then hopefully pick a team in each league that we thought did really well in the transfer window. Let's jump into it. Start Premier League? Let's do it. Okay. There's only one place for us to start, and that's at Southampton, who had an incredible window under Sport Republic with this philosophy of buying youngsters from academies like Man City and almost instantly got a return on Lavia <laughs> with a 50 mil offer on deadline day from Chelsea. That would have been a nice 40 mil profit in a month of having him. Yeah, don't get too ahead of ourselves, okay? This is my team that I chose to spotlight and you're taking running through half of my bullet points here so i'm gonna (laughs) usurp this vehicle and take it back because like you said we're so excited to see rasmus ankerson and sport republic the man behind the initial implementation of moneyball at brentford he's found his own capital in the form of i believe some serbian billionaire it's always good to have a few of those in the rolodex you don't want to inquire too much about how their wealth originated, you know, just a few superficial questions and keep it moving. The more shell companies in between you and your Eastern European billionaires, the better. The better. I mean, you can always point to like once you have at least five Cayman intermediaries, a few going through Malta and Cyprus, that's at the point where you can be like, okay, I think I've successfully mitigated risk. But ever since he did secure capital, he's had to have had this summer just a lot of X's on his calendar for each day that the summer transfer market's been open. And I think for both of us, it's been interesting to see what the philosophy is. And it's pretty clear just running down their transfer business. They must have clearly identified Man City's Academy as one of the most underappreciated because I count one, two, three. They brought in at least three players from Man City and Gavin Bazunu, the goalkeeper, Romeo Lavia and Samuel Adozi, the oldest of which is Bazunu at 20 years old. So they went youth focus. I think it's never bad when Man City is your feeder club. You know, you might caveat that saying it's Man City's academy, but they must have just seen, you know, Jordan Sancho move to Dortmund out of the academy, not getting a look in the first team. There's been a handful of others that have gone on to Germany as well. But they've really been the first to say, fuck it, these players don't need to go abroad. They're good enough to be shown in the Premier League shop window. And as you said, with Romeo Lavia, who they brought in for right around 10 million pounds, 
Chelsea was already looking to buy him after less than five games for 50 million pounds. So suffice to say, they've done some good bits in the recruitment category. Yeah, and we were talking before we started recording about how this is a very risky strategy, right? You put maybe a 25, 30% chance that they could get relegated in the next couple of years because they're taking such a youth approach. Things can go wrong when you're playing a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds, right? But at the same time, they're one of the few clubs that's giving all these youngsters serious quality minutes under a good manager. And that's just going to mean future sales for 2x, 5x, 10x some of these guys in the future. There definitely is the chance that they get relegated in the next few years, but you would have said the same thing about the aging squad that they had pre-takeover, right? They were in the thick of things at the bottom, and had that team gone down, there wouldn't have been a lot of obvious sales to make to fund crucial acquisitions to compete in the championship. It would have been a lot of ornery old first-teamers that probably didn't want to go down, and it could have been ugly for Southampton. So in that sense, if you're going to stand a chance of relegation, I'd rather have youngsters. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm in no way saying that the philosophy they've undertaken is not a huge upgrade on what they had before because that team was pretty shambolic for the last <laughs> five years. And this is exciting, you know? Yeah. Despite all the talent they got at Man City, probably my favorite one out of the bunch is, I don't know how they managed to get Duhay Coletachar from Marseille, 25 years old, tall, sturdy, left-footed center back. He was in the pairing with William Saliba that had the second best defense in Ligue 1. They finished second in that league. And for him to leave for just around 10 million pounds is pretty asinine to me. And if I have to blame someone here, it's got to be his agent. Because surely had other top teams in the Premier League known, even Italy or Germany, that he was available for that price, he should have gotten a lot of look-ins elsewhere. But maybe Southampton was the right package and he was just excited about the project yeah i was confused by how cheap the transfer was i'm also confused that he hasn't gone to like a bigger club by now this is a guy that's been rumored over the past two years with huge top four level clubs and never made the move and now 25 in his prime i think it makes a lot of sense and i think he shores up that defense which already got a lot better adding bella kochap who instantly slotted in looks like a stud alongside salisu I thought about him for my pick, but my favorite transfer has to be Seiko Mara. He's looked so impressive to me so far. 12 mil. Bordeaux is a really interesting place to shop, right? Because they just got relegated. All of their assets are at bargain prices. We've seen that with plenty of players from there. And he already looks like he could be something special. It's a long-term play. He's going to need time to develop and time to get used to the Premier League. But in his first match, he got subbed on. Essentially had like a dummy assist and then another great like line cutting pass uh, for an actual assist. And I don't know. He looks like he could have something special. I think this will take a little bit of time to fully develop, but he could be a star. He very well could be. And another point on Bordeaux as aspiring American owners of European football clubs, there's a case study in there at Bordeaux because classic American leverage buyout. I think the primary thesis must have been French football, young talent, and you're in Bordeaux, so maybe you open up a winery while you're there. Suffice to say, shit hit the fan. The Americans were chased out with pitchforks. Um, I think they spent more time in the vineyards than they did in the boardroom, which was a real (laughs) issue. Yeah, this is something we can learn from. When we buy a club, let's not be those Americans. Yeah, we got to burn our boats by not having really 
any other export come from our town that we can get interested in. You know, maybe we just find ourselves an old coal mining town. There's no more coal left, no more jobs other than a football club. And that's where we choose to undertake our project. I don't know, just brainstorming here. We'll be sure to take lessons from their ill-advised history, but let's keep it moving in the Premier League. Another summer I wanted to highlight, being a big person who can admit maybe where they were wrong or too harsh is, I want to give a big thumbs up to Everton's midfield rebuild. Looking at the three players they brought in, in that area of the pitch, Amadou Onana, James Garner, and Idrissa Ganagay. Amadou Onana for around 30 million pounds, I think could be really good value. We know West Ham were rumored for the man. At just 21, he already looks like one of those peak physical players, box-to-box midfielder, and he's got some swag. He's from the Quadio Kone, Yves Basuma school of drip, and it's giving me weird cognitive dissonance seeing that in that kazoo-sponsored Everton kit. Yeah. No, I really like the player a lot. I watched him a decent amount at Lille, and he was always impressive to me because he had to cover for Renato Sanchez just doing whatever the hell he wanted on the field, right? He had full reign, and then Amadou Onana had to basically cover the entire midfield by himself. And he's just a destroyer. I think he's averaged over five tackles and interceptions consistently. He's going to be a killer. And this Everton midfield really did need the rebuild. Because <laughs> going into this season, that was not a pretty midfield whatsoever. Or a pretty back line for that matter. And I completely agree. Getting Onana, Garner, and Gay, those are instantly three starters and a massive upgrade on what they were looking at before. Yeah, touching on Garner a bit, he was instrumental along with Jed Spence, Brennan Johnson, and Nottingham getting promoted. He was on set-piece duties. Just a quality holding midfielder from what I've seen. Kind of weird for Man U to let him go for a round 10 and have no sell-on or buyback clause. You know, unlike Chelsea or Man City, who have been very well-versed in these contract clauses, maybe it's just been so long since Man U's sold quality players that their lawyers have forgotten. Yeah, I think, he, wasn't he the player of the year at Forest? I think so. If not, he was up there. He and was talismanic. He was, yeah, he was one of the best midfielders in the league. So it is confusing that they wouldn't set up a buyback. Like you said, they're probably just not used to selling players because they don't have that many good ones. Yeah, um, <laughs> and finally rounding out that trio, Idrissa Gay. I know he wears Ghana Gay on the back, so I don't know his preferred call sign, but we're going to call him Ghana Gay here. Okay. Give him that two last name treatment. He is... How progressive of you. (laughs) (laughs) He's another guy that, kind of similar to Onana, covering for Sanchez, I would say he had an even harder job, which was covering for the entire front three of Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi last year. You know, throw in Wijnaldum, who kind of soaked in some of that laziness by osmosis. Those fuckers had to run a lot. Defensive midfielders at Paris. Luckily for him, he got out, returned to Everton... But his industry is going to be really important, just just breaking shit up in front of that back line at Everton, which, one last point on them. When I look at the back line of James Tarkowski and Connor Cody, throw in Pickford as well, they are just the embodiment of Brexit, you know? Kind of similar veins of England's protectionist political philosophy. They were getting nervous. I think that soaked in at Everton as well. They almost got relegated last year. They're not messing around with foreign defenders It's Connor Cody with English caps to his name. James Tarkowski from Burnley. They're going to throw themselves at the ball, engage in positive shithousery, and probably do more than I would like to keep Everton up. Yeah, agreed. A lot of Brexit energy around this squad. 
Because they didn't sign many attackers, right? If any. Like, they're just kind of sticking with what they have for the most part. If you can call Dwight McNeil an attacker, uh, hardly, I guess. Hardly. <laughs> I mean, they're just trusting Gordon to, you know, kick on this season. And I like it. I think it's a smart summer. And I hate to say that because I really don't like Everton. But it's a very defensive summer. But it's a smart summer, right? They lock shit up at the back. They got three pretty much quality defensive-minded midfielders. And... They're going to concede a lot less. They're going to be able to lock it down in games, which they could not do whatsoever last year. Yeah, we'll wrap up on Everton just because, seriously, we fucking hate talking about them. Yeah. They are garbage. But they've done so much in the last year to really turn around that trash squad. I mean, with the defense, the spine in midfield, but also young wingbacks that offer some excitement. A little younger than Seamus Coleman and Lucas Dina, who who I'm glad they've moved on from, frankly. But uh, Mikolenko looks really good, the Ukrainian international. And Nathan Patterson is really jockeying to be considered in that upper echelon of Scottish wingbacks. Yep, him and Hickey are, you know, really pressing on in that. In that yeah, it's kind of like there's Mahomes and Josh Allen in football at quarterback. Mm-hmm. At Scottish wingback, you know, who's going to make the World Cup? Is Scotland even in the fucking World Cup? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think they're just going to line up with a um, a new formation where they have three wingbacks on each side. You Scotland? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're just going to say, fuck, uh, fuck wingers or a midfield. Like, just several wingbacks on both sides. Run a 7-2-1 yeah, formation. Yeah, yeah, I seven, like it. Two, one, just yeah. multiple, kind of like in football, how there's a triple option, have like, multiple overlapping and underlapping wingbacks at the same time. Yeah, they're not going to be able to play out of the back at all, but it's just going to be like overlapping runs on overlapping runs. Yeah, they're going to play in the outside 10 yards on each side. Yeah, <laughs> Like they're just going to have the craziest passing map. And <laughs> All right, let's move on from uh, fucking Everton because we, we don't like them. Want to talk about Fulham? Yeah, they, uh, they left it late. They did. And... Really random signings galore as far as when I look at their business. First of all, did you know William went to Fulham? Were you aware of this? Is I, this a me problem? I did see this on Twitter, and I thought it was like a joke at first, but then I, it was like a reputable source. And I was like, huh, that's a strange signing from Corinthians. I thought his career was over and he was going to retire there. Yeah, needless to say, I was very baffled when I watched the Fulham vs. Spurs match and saw him make a substitute appearance. He had a slight haircut, too, so I'm like, fuck, has there been a William Regen that I didn't (laughs) know about? All I'll say is I hope that contract was more carefully crafted than the one Arsenal handed him a few years ago. You know, a lot of performance incentives should probably be in that one. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, weird signing, but overall, I like their summer. I think they did enough with the current squad that they have under Marco Silva to stay up. They could have done more, obviously, but I think Jao Polino for 15 mil will go down as one of the best signings of the summer, hands down, not even close. He looks so many levels above Fulham. You know, this mm-hmm. guy starts for Portugal, a very strong squad. I like it. I think they're going to be good. I like Mbabu as well. He's looked solid. He's kind of more been a substitute so far, but I think they're going to be fine. Are you happy with Daniel James? No. Oh, I, f- <laughs> I completely forgot they signed Dan James horrible i don't know how much they paid for him it better not be more than 10 mil but we thought after this fx welcome to wrexham documentary maybe they generated enough money to bring dan james in on loan just to absolutely tear it up in the national league but maybe that's off for another six months yeah i did tweet about that and it seems 
like the best destination for him. You know, I think the National League is probably his level. <laughs> Keeping it with another newly promoted team, we said we didn't want to talk about the summers that have been chatted on to no end on the mainstream media, but Nottingham Forest, you can't really have a transfer podcast without talking about them. Of the 20-plus players they brought in, do you have a favorite? Because, I mean, there's a lot of names there. I'm looking through now. I still cannot believe how much money they spent and just the quantity of players they got in. The first couple that popped to me are the free transfers. You know, Jesse Lingard on a free, Kuyate on a free, Dean Henderson on a loan. All seem very smart. But if I had to pick one, Lewis O'Brien, Huddersfield. I love him. I don't know a ton about him. I've watched Huddersfield a couple of times, but for 10 mil, dude, he looks like a total Premier League level Was it 10 mil? midfielder. Yeah, I think he's awesome. Um, so yeah, I'll go for Lewis O'Brien. Okay, I like your pick, but I will call you out on saying he looks like a Premier League midfielder. He looks like a 5'8", Welsh-Irish minion that just kind of moseys around, protects the ball in midfield. Does that not sound like what you want in a relegation scrap? You're right. Just someone ushering the ball away to safety. They know a thing or two about living a life, defending from assailants. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like him a lot too. And I don't know, Oral Miguel as well. Like I think the way they set up their new midfield is smart. They got some defensive-minded guys in there. It's a good balance, and they got numbers. More important than anything, they got a lot of depth. They so, got numbies. <laughs> you know, I, I really like the midfield signings in particular. If you find yourself in a relegation scrap, the last thing you want is to be getting absolutely smashed by the top teams and have no answers. And if there's one thing Nottingham will be able to do, should they likely find themselves in the scrap, is always throw a different permutation at their opposition, right? When in doubt, you've hit an inevitable losing skid, change up your center backs because you bought six of them. Uh, Your midfield needs switched up, good. We got four or five of those as well. Exactly. Strikers, (laughs) same thing. So... There's going to be a litany of different teams we see, and maybe Nottingham doesn't find the ideal one until week 36. Okay, I'm curious. Who's your favorite? Is it like Willie Bully? <laughs> <laughs> no, not not Willie Bully. Uh, I'm going to say Loic Bade, one of the last, if not the last, to enter the door and have his picture taken for Nottingham's Instagram account. He's been on our radar for a while because he's Alon's man. He moved to Ren after one season. Listen, we are simple men. Uh, when we see a pattern like Scottish wingbacks, we kind of just latch onto it and kind of use it for all it's worth. And so young, good-looking French center backs above six foot two, that's kind of right in our wheelhouse. I mean, Wesley Fafana. Saliba, like especially from Lons in particular as well. You know, that's just a factory they got going over uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. That is a great factory. And we saw Fafana just got sold for Buku Bucks, so... Nottingham, should you go down, you've got Bade and 21 other players that maybe they hit the lottery with as well. It still blows my mind how many center backs they signed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One last thing on Forrest is we're always looking at the multi-club ownership angle. And the owner is a Greek businessman, I believe, also owns Olympiakos. And when you have success at one of the clubs in your portfolio, you've got to use that to your benefit for all the clubs. All your dogs going to eat. It's kind of like Google relying on the cash cow of their ad revenue business just to fund all their moonshots, AI, robot dogs I'm sure they're working on. That's what Forrest has done here because 
Two players we didn't talk about is the striker from Bordeaux. What's his name? Uh, Ui Joe Huang. Ui Joe Huang. They signed him for a nominal couple million bucks, immediately sent him on loan to Olympiacos, the other club they own. And then they also relied on their wealth of championship scouting data to be like, hey, Josh Bowler, 23-year-old winger from Blackpool, sure, let's buy him and send him on loan to Olympiacos. Maybe they are really successful there and you can make it permanent in the summer, or should you inevitably go down, you've bought these players for cheap and stashed them away for future use. So really a win-win all around for Forrest. I just hope they have a fucking documentary crew lurking in the shadows that we don't know about because this is a social experiment they're running at this point. Yeah, absolutely. They have to have an all-or-nothing style documentary brewing. If they don't, we'll be very upset. I think that's enough for us. They've kind of been the darlings or ugly redheaded stepchild, depending on how you view the transfer market. You have one last name for me in the Premier League before we show some love to the others. Yeah, I just want to highlight Wilfred Nanto, Willie. He moved to Leeds for about five mil from Zurich. And we've been watching this guy for a little while. Absolutely love him. I can't pretend like I watch a lot of Swiss League or like I've watched more than two games of Zurich, but I have watched this guy's highlights over and over. I applaud you for that. And he's awesome. So he's (laughs) like 19 years old. He had nine goals and one assist and nine starts for Zurich last year. Pretty good numbers scoring a goal game in Switzerland. He's already got an Italian national team appearance as well, I believe. He does, and he's been pretty instrumental in the Italian youth setup, like U19 and U21. I believe he's like one of the stars of those teams. So just watch some highlights from him in a few Italy games or Zurich games, and you will see why this guy is most definitely worth $5 million and is going to be a firecracker when he comes on for a sub-appearance. Yeah, he meets kind of the Leeds characteristics. I was kind of surprised when I saw the Leeds introductory video him meeting you know a nice as ever jesse marsh he is a short and chonky boy with calves and thighs that i'm not sure how they were produced eating so much chicken alfredo you know he's got the amu build uh-huh or like a you know shakiri like he's got he's got the big ass and some thick calves yeah you don't want him Pressing hard in the Martian fashion and, you know, getting nice and close, picking your pocket. That's got to scare a lot of people like you. You know, lucky for you and Chelsea supporters, you only have to play one more match against them. Maybe you can get some points from this one. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. All right, Charlie, I feel like we're resembling Everton's Brexit-centric philosophies here, only talking about England. Let's highlight a few other summers we liked across The other big leagues, of course, not including La Liga there, as we do not respect their footballing sovereignty. Let's start it off with Lons. This club is one of our darlings. You just got back from a flight to this region. I'm not sure which region it is in France, but you collected some points there. Yeah, RC Lons, easily my favorite club in Liga, and I've pledged to adopt them as my second team, and I with that, I will watch them a lot this year. I'm promising that. I think you're not taking it far enough, and you need to be doing some French Duolingo. You need to learn one song of theirs by the okay. end of this year. That's like level one French supporter. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. But their business has been nothing short of incredible. Obviously, they made some big sales. Czech Decore leaving for was around 
15, 20? 25 at least. Oh, was it? Okay. So pretty good money there. And they also sold Klaus, one of their talisman. I don't know if that's a plural. (laughs) I like it. But He was a talisman. He was awesome. Their right wing back, just an absolute killer. He went to Marseille, I think for pretty small money because he's like 30. Right around 10, yep. But the signings they brought in are incredible. They got Luis Openda from Bruges, a player who popped off at Vitesse. And he's had an instant impact. Three goals in five games. Replaced Kalamandu pretty well, you know? Mm-hmm. Adam Buxa, they signed from New England Revolution for six mil. Good money for an MLS club to receive, I'm sure. I don't know anything about this guy, but they like Polish people. They signed another Polish guy. And he was pretty prolific in the MLS, so seems like a decent gamble at this price, right? Yeah, about a goal every other game. Like you said, losing Kalamandu, who was really big, leading the lines for them last year. I always like when you replace one with two. And Agreed. at good value, I think they've done it with Appenda and Buxa, each with a different profile. Appenda can really use those speedy legs of his, get on the counter. And Buxa looks like a classic Polish sausage, holding up the ball, letting people run on behind him, and probably uses his head if he's a 6'2 Polish striker. I'm assuming he, yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming he uses his head a decent amount. They also have Satoka still, who's been pretty good for them and, and is the captain whenever Seiko's out. So really like what they did with the front line, and I like even more what they did with the midfield. They signed Salis abdul Samad from Claremont Foot for 5 mil. He's a 22-year-old midfielder signed as the Czech Decore replacement. I really love the look of this midfield now. There's a lot of cover for Seiko Fofana, who you want to have the freedom to do absolutely anything on the ball because he'll just create magic out of nothing. And it's the same philosophy. You lose Czech Decore, you replace him with two guys. So they also got Gino Nana from Bordeaux, a guy who I've been talking about for a little bit. I really love his profile. He's 6'2", physical, strong, feels like a bargain at 4 mil. He's 22 years old, and he just operates as a destroyer 6. He's an absolute killer. Obviously played for a pretty horrible Bordeaux side, but he was averaging 3.8 tackles and 3 interceptions per 90, which... If you don't know, that puts you 99th percentile in both of those metrics. We've said it before, but averaging five tackles and interceptions a game is pretty elite. So the fact that he was averaging seven per 90 is insane. And he's just going to come in, be a presser, break up shit in the midfield, stop counterattacks, and allow Seiko Fafana to do whatever the hell he wants. I think he's proven in Liga already, and he's going to settle really easy. This midfield instantly looks great again. And like we said... Bordeaux, smart place to shop. You can get guys on the cheap, four mil, great deal. I think there's two elements at play here because we've noted that every year, the astute football directors among us need to be monitoring the relegation candidates in Ligue 1 because there's talent across every team in that league. And the ones who do get relegated really need some top line revenue just to balance the books and make payroll. So always good to be making offers there. But we also should be looking in general just wherever American owners before us have brought clubs into financial Armageddon because good deals are also going to be found there. You know, if they're going to avoid bankruptcy, they're going to have to sell their striker to Nottingham Forest or Gino Nana to Lons. Yeah, 100%. And another guy I really want to mention is Bryce Samba. You mentioned Nottingham Forest there. Got him for 5 mil, and he's such an underrated keeper, in my opinion. Still doesn't get enough respect. I'm shocked Lons was able to nab him over some of the top clubs he was rumored with, Premier League clubs, and this guy has an absolute ridiculous record of like goals conceded versus XG. It's insane. 
he's going to be awesome and a big upgrade there, which they needed. Agreed. Wrap us up here with maybe our favorite transfer. Yeah, this is our favorite transfer. A guy we know zero about, I'll preface it with. But this guy's name is Yaya Fofana. Literally the coolest name ever. I mean, we're combining Yaya Torre and Seiko Fofana or any of the Fofanas that exist out there. <laughs> yeah. This guy was made in a lab. Made in a lab. He's a Malian midfielder. We like Malian midfielders. Mm-hmm. On trial at Liefering, which is RB Salzburg's feeder team, didn't make it, and he was signed as a free agent. That's about all I've been able to gather about him. Didn't find any highlights, found nothing on him, but he's 18 years old, he's Malian, and his name is Yaya Fofana. He's our new favorite player. Yep, came from the Salzburg system. Another strategy, along with poaching Man City youngsters, has got to be get the young, talented players at Salzburg before they break out in the Salzburg first team. So the usual path for most players that come up through Salzburg and pretty much all that come through their scouting networks in West Africa, they almost all get one season at Lifering. Cut out the middleman, you know, start taking some risks here because anytime Salzburg can bring in one to $5 million on someone that's never made it in the first team, I'm sure they're going to take it. And you might just find a Mwepu or a Mohamed Kamara. There's players like that riddled throughout the Liefering squad. And to buy a lottery ticket for that amount of money might be worth it. Just one a summer until you hit one big. Exactly. Get them earlier in their career. And Liga feels like a good place to test them. Probably enough on our favorite Liga summer, Lons. Let's move to the Bundesliga, where we have a squad that you picked Yeah, for the best summer. Yeah, we won't go as deep into this squad, but just scanning the Bundesliga summer, you know, it's good to remind yourself that not everyone spends like our favorite teams in the Premier League. No, in, in fact, teams will often have balanced budgets, a little surplus, if they are running a deficit and they're not named Bayern Munich, the deficit usually doesn't exceed like 10 million euros. So it was just refreshing. I shouldn't have been surprised that the German CEOs and football directors were managing a budget, but it was great to see. Probably my favorite out of the bunch, excluding the top four who outside of Bayern really didn't impress me too much, was Stuttgart. Stuttgart's been fascinating to us ever since... We learn more with the scouted football on them. They try to do their best to run a good money ball operation. And this summer was one of their best ones yet. For a lower level Bundesliga side, anytime you can make two sales to Premier League clubs, that's a good summer. And outside of whatever else you had set aside to spend, it's going to do a lot to help you get even more. So selling Sasa Kalaidzic to Wolves for around $20 million, Oro Mangala to Nottingham Forest for 15. That was a lot of money to work with for Stuttgart, and they spent it shrewdly. Yasha Wagnermann is a heralded young right back, $4 million. Constantinos Mavropanos, they had him with a loan on an obligation to buy from Arsenal for $3.5 million. And that's a guy who's probably worth closer to 20. Yeah, at the tail end of last year, there was rumors that there'd already been agreements for Stuttgart to exercise that option and immediately sell him to someone else for 15 to 20. They ultimately kept him, but obviously good value entrenching the squad there. And then losing Kaleidzic, who had been hurt but went healthy, leading the lines for them, lost him for 20 million. Again, two is one and one is none when it comes to transfers. So replacing him with a 25-year-old German, Luca Pfeiffer, from Midtjylland in Denmark, and then a young Colombian center forward, Juan Jose Perea from the Greek League, 
Don't know a lot about him, but I generally trust the scouting operation at Stuttgart, and I expect at least one of these guys to be adequate, if not saleable, to run it back like a Kaleidzic in the future. So just really like their business. And when two guys who cost $5 million replace a player who you sold for 20 there's money to sprinkle elsewhere in the squad. Hiroki Ito, 23-year-old Japanese center back, $400,000. If he ever makes a Bundesliga appearance, it's basically worth it for them. Yep. So overall, good squad building. And beyond these expenditures to help replenish the rest of the squad, I think the owners can look forward to a dividend sometime this year. Great summary. Just a few points to call out. I think every player they bought, I feel like you could say has a market value higher than what they paid for them. And I feel like you could say the same for the sales. Like they got good money for their big stars. It was really important that they stayed up last year. And I think they're going to stay up again, but they're probably going to struggle a little bit. But I just think it's smart. The profiles are going for like Luca Pfeiffer. You lose your six, seven striker. Let's go get another super tall motherfucker. Cause that's what you need in the Bundesliga. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Keep it simple. Completely agreed. I love the summer. Really great rundown. That's about all I have to add. <laughs> oh, thank you. Really professional outro there. Moving next to Italy. Last week, we're going to run down my favorite summer. I think I've converted you to see my way. Not that you didn't initially, but it's Napoli. The Pizza Kings themselves finally got their shit together in the boardroom. Transition from what you might have thought was an aging squad to really invigorate this team. There's only one place to start with their summer, and that is bringing the Georgian Messi. Can you do his name? Because I think you have more experience. I think I got it down at this point. Kavicha Kvartskelia. That was pretty fucking good. Kavicha Kvartskelia. Yeah, but you can call him Kavara. He said that in his intro video. Kavara? Kavara. I think he likes the Kavara Donna as well. Ooh, that's nice. What do we like about this player? Well, this already seems like the bargain of the summer for 10 mil from Ruben Kazan, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's got four goals and an assist in five starts so far, and he's just immediately their talisman. He's replacing big shoes in Insigne. Uh, big shoes, small feet. Small, <laughs> small feet, big boots. Um, but he's just instantly replaced his output, which is incredible, and he's the biggest wonder kid in Italy, like hands down, immediately. His highlights against Spain in European competition, in international European competition, was kind of what put him on the map. Yeah. He is so direct, loves to run at people, great dribbler. You know, sometimes genius lives on the edge of insanity. And you might say that about his approach to taking on players. He will lose the ball sometimes, sure. A lot. But on the whole, his expected value is like a goal involvement per game potential. Maybe more, right? Yeah, he's such an X-factor. Defenders just don't know how to deal with him. He's big, he's fast, and he has unbelievable feet. And he just does weird things. He does unconventional things that you wouldn't expect when a player is dribbling at you. And he looks like a UFC fighter. Maybe this is bias for me because there's one badass Georgian fighter, Giga Chikadze. But Kavara feels like maybe he is that guy's sparring partner. If fans ever rush the pitch in Napoli... I trust that Kavara will acquit himself nicely and will probably produce like highlight reel knockouts. A spinning back fist just yeah, to the dough. Or like a spinning Bruce Lee kicking knockout. Something like that. His left foot is good, not only in football, but it's definitely knocked some fuckers out. And like you said, if you have five minutes, just watch his highlights against Spain. He was the man of the match. And it's like 
unbelievable what he does to this man squad. It's, it's immediate conversion. Yeah. That one YouTube video, we're not the only ones standing him. Just so excited to see what he unleashes on the world. Yeah, I think the only criticism of him is that he'll dribble a lot and then lose the ball or like he'll beat like three guys and then miss the shot or something. But clearly so far, he's been pretty prolific and just instantly slotted it in and became maybe their best player. Yeah, yeah. Now that we've covered the most important piece, you know, really nowhere else we could start. Let's talk about some of the exits that set up the rest of the arrivals. Biggest one being Kawadu Kulabali. Feels like this one was three years later than him and his agent would have liked. They've really been clamoring for a move. I mean, the fee in the last few years was rumored to be as high as 80, right? 90 plus at its peak. Finally leaves for 41. A lot of great years of service at Napoli, but they get a good chunk for him. Another one, Fabian Ruiz went to PSG for about 20 million euros. That's a big chunk. And then Milik, Titino, Adam Unas, all left for another combined 20. So that set up Kavara and a whole host of other peers to come in. I mean, talk about Koulibaly's replacement. Is it Kim Minjay? Is this is how you say it? Or am I, I saying think, it backwards? Oh, Minjay Kim. I forget. Fuck. What is Sun? Huang Min Sun. But is it not Sun Hyun Min? We're going to go down a loop with this. Fuck. I think it's, I think it's last and then first. Got so it. Kim Minjai. Okay, yeah. Good detour. Either way, Kim from Fenerbahce, they signed him for about 15 mil, I think, 20 mil, somewhere in that range. And he's looked pretty great right away. He's the starting center back for Korea. And I don't know a ton about him, but he looks solid. He's big. He wins a lot of headers. Looks commanding in possession. And he looks like a leader, you know, already. Mm-hmm. So that's what you need to replace your biggest leader in Koulibaly with, you know, a guy who could be a future captain. The other moves they made, particularly in striker, are really interesting to me. They got Raspadori and Gio Simeone both on loan. I think they're paying around five mil each for loan fees. I'm not sure if there's obligations or options within those. I think it's safe to say there, at least with Raspadori, has to be an option to buy. But Simeone, you never know. Maybe last year was a flash in the pan. Well, Gio Simeone's been this journeyman through all of Serie A. He's played for Genoa, Fiorentina, Cagliari, and Hellas Verona last year and had a great season. 17 goals and five assists. That's pretty good output from a team that was not too hot. And then you get Raspadori as well. Super young, 22 years old, played on a really fun Sassuolo team and, you know, contributed 10 goals and four assists. I don't think he was as impressive as Skamaka, but he certainly is going to add something to the squad that they did not have before. Worth taking a flyer on, especially when losing Antigne, not initially sure about whether Kavara would be the replacement. Good to get different attackers who offer a variety of solutions. So I like those as well. Another one mixed in here, Tanky and Dombele. Big move to Spurs. Always a player in there when healthy, but just couldn't get on the pitch enough under a number of managers. Small loan fee for him. Daniel Levy's probably got them paying out the ass for the wages that he negotiated himself. (laughs) Either way, not a bad replacement for Fabian Ruiz. Just on the whole, rounding out a good summer. And Italy feels like the perfect spot for him, you know? It's not as physical as the Prem, right? Yeah, it's a league I think he can thrive in, especially with how good he is on his day. And a couple others here that just make sense. Made Giza permanent for 15 mil. Leo Ostegard from Brighton for 5 mil. 
Maybe it won't work out, but it's five mil, and you could use the depth at center back. Certainly. All in all, I just look at this. We listed so many incredible players they brought in, and they've only spent like 70 mil. Meanwhile, having sales of 90. So if you're going to have a profit of 20 mil in a window and get in all of these studs, it just feels like there's no other team that had a better summer. Not to mention losing Insigne's wages as well. We talked about it with Southampton, but it's one thing to have a squad where you know players are old and need replaced, but you don't have their replacement baked into them. When you can get younger, more saleable players, not only are you getting players that are going to help you compete and contend for a Serie A title, but also when they ever do leave, someone like Kavara is going to generate a huge amount of money and his replacement is somewhere within that bundle of cash. So I just really like these two summers in that respect of freshening up the squad, getting them younger, more potential all around. And let's not forget, they still have Victor Osiman, who's one of the top strikers in the world. And if he can stay healthy for a full season, I think they have a serious shot at potentially winning Serie A. It's possible. You know, there's a lot of good teams, Milan, Inter, Roma, Juventus, but... <laughs> it was probably the best title chase last year right and it's setting up to be even better this year yeah any number of those teams can win Juventus hasn't started out the best but they're up there Milan could run it back Inter would have something to say about that but Roma and Napoli are also not fucking around I'm actually going to force myself to watch one game every other week here I think I'm going to try and watch a good amount of Serie A it's a pretty exciting year for it and I think it was one of the best leagues last year to watch, especially at the end, because it was so competitive. Totally agreed. Well, I think that sums up as much as we wanted to cover today. We went on a few tangents, but that's to be expected. Overall, I think we just expressed the love that we have for this facet of the game. It just appeals to us that outside of building a good squad, whatever your objective is, that you can also make money doing whatever that is as well. And so we just have such a soft spot for the numbies and the Excel spreadsheets that the transfer window provides. Of course, and I think it was the craziest transfer window I can ever remember. Like, more money spent in pretty much every league, especially the Premier League. So, there was so much to cover. I feel like we're never going to be able to cover it all, but these were some of the most exciting pieces of business and clubs that had great windows to us, and, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes, we do, guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at FakingInjuries. Till next time, we still love you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Also, shout out our intern. Shout out our intern. <laughs>